Welcome to Building the Future, Freedom, Prosperity, and Foreign Policy, a podcast series focused on updating the United States soft power playbook to meet the hopes and aspirations of developing countries because it's in America's interest to do so. I'm Dan Rundy, Senior Vice President at CSIS. There are a lot of global challenges out there, so let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Building the Future with Dan Rundy. Today I'm joined by Kathy Geis, who is the Vice President of Investments at Kiva. Kiva is an international nonprofit founded in 2005 in San Francisco with a mission to expand financial access to help underserved communities thrive. Kiva achieves this by crowdfunding loans and unlocking capital for the underserved, improving the quality and cost of financial services and addressing the underlying barriers to financial access around the world. Kiva has funded over $1.8 billion in loans since its inception to over 4.5 million borrowers. Kathy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Kathy. How did you end up at Kiva? Yeah, so I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I grew up with an activist mother. Um, It was really formative for me to be raised by somebody who is really doing what they were most committed to. But I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And after studying comparative literature in college and studying abroad in Senegal, I was lucky enough to land a job at Kiva in 2009. So I moved to Senegal and spent a couple of years helping Kiva partners in sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East use the platform to raise money. So I had the privilege of working alongside a diverse array of financial institutions and really inspiring people. And I've been at Kiva ever since because I just caught the bug. At this point, I run the team that deploys our capital around the world. So tell us, what is Kiva? I've explained a little bit about, but like, what is it? Is it a dot com? Is it a dot org? Is it a social enterprise? What is Kiva? Yeah, So Kiva is a U.S. registered 501c3. We're a global nonprofit, however, founded in 2005. And our mission is to expand financial access to help underserved communities thrive. So we're most known for Kiva.org, which is our lending platform, where anyone with $25 and a credit card can lend as little as $25 to entrepreneurs and individuals around the world. Our borrowers are 80% women, come from 70 plus countries. They are everything that people might be since there are 4 million of them. We reach all of these people in these diverse environments by partnering with a global network of local lending institutions and social enterprises. That's my team's job to vet. We also work in the U.S. so borrowers can apply directly to Kiva for a loan. So in the U.S., we work with 74% BIPOC-owned businesses, 45% of which are Black-owned businesses, and almost 70% of the borrowers that we serve are women. So we're really proud to be attacking the systemic barriers to access to financial services for people around the world. On that base that we built with the Kiva.org platform, we launched Kiva Capital in 2020. Kiva Capital is an impact-first asset manager. And through Kiva Capital, we offer loans to Californians through the California Rebuilding Fund. We reach financial services providers impacted by the pandemic through the Small Business Resilience Fund. And we support financial services providers to enable access to finance for refugee and IDP groups through the Kiva Refugee Investment Fund. So that was a long answer. I hope I covered it. One of the issues, if I understand it, with peer-to-peer lending is that many people don't have the time or the headspace to discern who's a good person to lend money to or who's not a good person to lend money to. 
How do you guys solve for that problem? Yeah. In the international side, we solve for that by thoroughly vetting the lending partners who then vet borrowers in their environments. So Kiva has this incredible reach in over 77, in 77 countries around the world because we work with local lending institutions who know their clients. It's their job to design appropriate products for those individuals and to underwrite them. And it's my job and my team's job to underwrite those institutions, to make sure that they're financially sound, that they're well-governed, and that they're offering impactful products to groups that we're trying to reach. It's great. Okay, so tell us some of Kiva's success stories. Obviously, you've lent more than $1.8 billion and reached more than 4 million bars, but tell me a couple stories. Yeah, I would love to. The first one I'd love to tell is the story of Mbazimutima and Biata. So these two, they're married entrepreneurs. They're from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, but they're currently living in Uganda because they had to flee violence where they're from and move to Nakivale, a refugee settlement in Uganda. So Mbazi Mutima was already an entrepreneur when living in the DRC, and he had to start from scratch, as most refugees do, once he moved to Uganda. So he started selling small items and got a loan from our partner, Yugafode, a Ugandan microfinance institution, in order to expand the business. So what they did was purchase a tuk-tuk, kind of a motorcycle, and they used that to deliver water within the settlement. So here's a quote from Mbazi Mutima. He said, the money we were given really helped a lot. I saw my kids living a healthy life. And he was really happy to share when we interviewed him that his daughter had recently purchased a sewing machine. So you can see within that story that an investment in this, this individual, in his talent and his grit and his hustle, frankly, enabled his whole family to prosper and allowed more people to access clean water conveniently within that settlement. So our role as Kiva is to help money get to those people so that their talent can flourish and benefit their whole community. I'd love to share just a little bit about our investment in Jehudi Kalima. Jehudi Kalima is a Kenyan MFI that was founded in 2009, and Kiva first partnered with them in 2010 when they were a startup. And what they were doing initially was offering loans to support the purchase of highly productive dairy cows for rural Kenyans to help them get more milk and make more money. So the institution was founded as part of an anti-poverty program within Kenya. They at this point are a $20 million institution with a variety of first-class international funders that offers a suite of products to their clients who are still mostly rural and agricultural. Over the years, Kiva lenders have lent nearly $25 million to Jehudi borrowers on our platform. We're so proud of this and other long-term partnerships where we're able to come in early thanks to the risk-tolerant capital that our lenders put at Kiva's disposal and at our partner's disposal in order to support an institution through its early stages until it can scale up and really serve a, a lot of borrowers with a suite of really valuable products. So if I said to you, FinTech and Kiva discuss, how does FinTech come across your radar screen? Yes. So I wear an investment hat and fintech, broadly speaking, has changed the way that people access and the number of people and the type of people that can easily access financial services around the world. The key changes that I've seen during my decade, let's be real, 15 years in this industry, have been getting smartphones into more people's hands and allowing low cost transfers of money for those individuals. So if you were a Kenyan, like a low-income Kenyan person, say, 
20 years ago, if you needed to transfer money to your family in your village from Nairobi where you were working, your options were maybe Western Union, and those fees were prohibitively expensive for you, putting actual cash on a bus, or trying to find someone to carry it for you. So your risks were so high in transferring that money and doing that simple thing. Now you can do it at the touch of a button or the touch of your smart, your smartphone screen for a really reasonable cost. And you can have high confidence that what you're doing will work just fine. So just those two changes have allowed a, like a profusion of new businesses and new business models in Kenya and around the world. It is much easier to access credit. It is much easier to save money. There are new insurance products being offered thanks to new technologies, such as enhanced crop insurance, where we're using weather data to determine payouts. The amount of innovation is, it makes your head spin, and, it, and I believe that it is really for the best, that we're witnessing positive change at scale. That's not to say that there aren't some things that are less good going on. There are some pretty predatory lenders, for example, in that market that the regulator is scrambling to catch up with. But overall, I think what we're seeing is really, really good. Yeah, I agree. That's that's great. Do you lend in dollars? Do you lend in the local country currency? How do you sort that out? So if I give a dollar in American dollars, and then how do you turn around and deal with the foreign exchange issues And when you lend in, in a developing country, assuming you're lending in local currency? That is a great question. So for Kiva Capital Investments, we are investing millions of dollars, and we can access hedges. So we can purchase an instrument to manage that risk. We cannot do that with the Kiva.org, with the crowdfunded money, because we're exchanging smaller amounts of money, and we're doing so dynamically. We're only asking partners to repay Kiva the amounts that their borrowers have repaid them. So we don't have an established repayment schedule, and we can't access instruments from traditional banks to manage risk. What we do is fix the exchange rate for each loan at the time that we're transferring money to our partner. And then we bill that partner for all subsequent repayments using that original rate. So to put it more simply, we're passing on any currency losses that we calculate to Kiva lenders so that the field partner and the borrower are not exposed to currency risk for the money borrowed from Kiva. So it's thanks to our lenders, thanks to their charitable intent, and thanks to their willingness to take on risks in service of social impact that we're able to work with partners in all of these different countries, including markets where you can't even access hedging instruments or other ways to manage risks through traditional banks. How do you engage government agencies like USAID or impact investors or big philanthropy, or is it all just people like myself sending you 50 bucks. How do you, how do you engage, let's call them institutional players? Absolutely. We engage everyone, honestly. The one, one of the wonderful things about Kiva is that we are trying to build a set of offerings that can help any constituent who comes to us access the social impact that they're looking for when it comes to making financial services accessible to everyone around the world. So we work with institutional investors, asset managers, foundations, and family offices through Kiva Capital because they're playing with larger amounts of money and be can become part of funds. We also have worked with USAID, with corporates, with foundations, and with individual donors to help support our programming. For example, USAID provided funding through the WGDP program for Kiva to do the research and design a fund targeting women, a gender lens investment fund. 
We also have matching programs where corporations, foundations, individuals can provide funds to double the impact of an individual retail lender's loan. So you might, around the holidays, for example, see a double your impact badge on a Kiva loan profile. And that means that a corporate partner has put funding at our disposal in order to top up individual lenders' contributions on the website. That's really great. Do you guys operate in the People's Republic of China? We do not at this time. Where do you operate? Tell us what some of the, you must operate in many countries. Are you mainly in Africa? Are you in Latin America? And how many countries are you operating in internationally? Currently 77. Wow. Are you in Ukraine? Not at this time, no. Unfortunately, we shut things down with our last partner in Ukraine several years ago because it became too difficult for us to manage the compliance risks associated with investing in Ukraine. At the time, the U.S. imposed a number of sanctions following the annexation of Crimea. We would love to get back there in the future. What would it take to do that? Kiva has our own bank, right? And it's a bear for a commercial bank to serve us. And we're very grateful to our banks for doing so. So the question of, of what it would take for us to start working in Ukraine again is really what it would take for a commercial bank to be comfortable managing flows of funds to and from that country. So these are factors largely outside of our control. We take great pride in being present in countries where other impact investors dare not go, thanks to our lenders. But there are still structural barriers that we can't get around. For example, we, can't, we can no longer work in Somalia. Um, it was just too risky for us to move money back and forth to that country. There weren't banks to serve our needs. Right. Are you guys in Moldova? No, not at this time. But if you've got ideas for us, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, my view is, I think, I mean, Moldova... Ukraine are just, I think there's just so much attention on them. My sense is I'd love to see the U.S. government be thinking about how they could make it support institutions like yours to, to be there, given the needs, especially with mm -hmm. the reconstruction. USAID has done incredible work in the past to build microfinance sectors in entire regions. And I would love to see a strong presence and, and support of building community-based and community-focused financial services providers in the aftermath of this conflict. Good. Well, look, this is great, Kathy. We, I so appreciate you coming on today. This is brilliant, really interesting. And uh, I'm so happy you've made time to speak with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. If you enjoyed this podcast, check out our larger suite of CSIS podcasts from Into Africa, The Asia Chessboard, China Power, AIDS 2020, The Trade Guys, Smart Women, Smart Power, and more. You can listen to them all on major streaming platforms like iTunes and Spotify. Visit csis.org slash podcasts to see our full catalog 